Hey guys, welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Arias. And really quick, this episode is sponsored by Dandy. And you'll hear about it a bit more in this episode. But Dandy is a full-service, fully digital dental lab based in the U.S. And with Dandy, you get everything you need to take your practice 100% digital. I mean, they offer an entire range of services and products like crowns and bridges, implants and surgical guides, partials and full dentures, night guards and custom clear liners and more. And you'll hear about it throughout um, a little bit later, like I said, in the episode. But in this episode, we are speaking with Ashley Chapchak. I think the biggest thing that I struggle with is always going to go back to team management. I think that's something that every single dentist struggles with. All of us are really well trained on you know, procedures. We're really well trained on how to code correctly for billing stuff or whatever. Um, but I'm always going to struggle with personnel discussions. You know, this person struggling in a personal life with this and how do we combat that? You know, I just told you one of my front office team members has been sick for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. What do I do? How do I pay that person? Make sure that they're comfortable. Do I have to pay? Should I pay? Cause I love them. You know, those types of struggles. How do I deal with this person? You know, my team is fighting with this one today and different struggles like that are always going to be difficult. I think, what I love about it, they are my family. They would do anything for any single one of them. It's just worth it in the end for me, I guess. But that's my biggest struggle point, I think. Ashley Chapchak, I mean, she comes from a generation of dentists. Her dad was a dentist. Her grandfather was a dentist. And then she decided to take over the family business and now acquired and is running her dad's practice. But with a twist, she relocated to a dream location. So we dive into that transition and how that was. We also discuss what she officially got rid of uh, that was outdated and what she replaced. And she's on a mission to go fully digital and it's surpassing her collection's goals which is fantastic. She also lets us know how she improved her collection percentage drastically. And we also discuss her systems on how she runs her weekly meetings and morning huddles. And we also talk about team management and personnel. She actually had to let someone go in the process of growth. And she discusses why that happened. And we also talk about her biggest struggles to date and some major analytics everyone needs to keep an eye on. Ashley was a wonderful guest. So guys, without further delay, here is Dr. Ashley Chapchak. Ashley, how's it going? Hey, good. It's going great. That's good. If you don't mind me asking, where are you located right now? Um, we're located in Needham, Massachusetts, about 20 minutes from Boston. Okay. I don't know why I thought you were in California because before we started recording, you said you worked for a jail in California, right? Prison? I do oversee some dental care um, out in California part-time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Where in California? Um, so outside of San Francisco, um, I got connected with um, actually a patient of mine who oversees dental care in a bunch of different jails and prison systems throughout the United States. And yeah, he needed a dentist for this job. Nice. Not like, I was going to say Alcatraz, but that's not even inhabited anymore. So that was, <laughs> no, but that's awesome. Cool. So before we jump into it, tell us a little bit about your past, your present. How did you get to where you are today? It's been a really long journey to get to where I am today. Um, And it started when I was 13 years old. So my dad's a dentist. My grandfather was a dentist. And um, at the ripe age of 13, my dad was going to India, do a dental trip there and treat about 250 kids. Um, And he didn't have a dental assistant for the trip. 
So he asked me if I'd be interested in learning how to generally hold a suction and, you know, turn over some rooms and stuff like that. I said yes, and the rest is history. <laughs> so I was a dental assistant for like 12 years um, before finally working my way through dental school. I graduated in 2020 amidst the pandemic. Um, and now I work alongside my dad every single day. Snap, so this is new. Like you just, in the middle of the pandemic, you graduated. Yeah, so we joke that we didn't really graduate. Like I never <laughs> took the vow of, you know, dentistry to do no harm and stuff like that. Um, we never walked. We just, I left dental school one day and never went back into the building. Um, they allowed us back six months later to clean out our lockers, but that was about it. Yeah. So dentistry has been like in your life all the time, basically. Pretty much my whole life in yeah. some regard. Yeah. I'm sure when you were younger, you're like, oh, snap, I can turn over, like turning over rooms was fun. Like that was fun. Or, you know what I mean? You, you're doing it and everything, doing it all the time. You're kind of like, okay, now it's, now we can leave it to somebody else, right? But that's awesome. Okay, so then now you work with your dad or are you a partner? So I'm technically my dad's boss um, as of <laughs> two years ago. So I graduated in 2020. I became actually licensed in like May or June. Um, and right away, he, he's 65. So right away, he was very interested in not being in charge of things anymore. So at a very early stage of my career, I became the big boss, as we call me jokingly. Um, and um, had to kind of navigate through COVID and navigate through being a very new dentist and treating my own patients and working my own cases and running staff and managing and bills and taxes and all that stuff. So I took on a lot, I think, when I was young <laughs> in my career, and I think it made me grow really fast, which is great. Um, but yeah, so now I'm technically the, the boss of my office. Why do you think it made you grow really fast? Like, is your dad not involved at all or is he helping you kind of mentoring or what I think I have more of a natural leadership personality type than he does um, I think he would have been better long term um, you know working with other dentists with somebody else maybe in the more business aspect of the job he really is an incredible clinician and loves patient care and that's really his passion um, I don't mind doing the business stuff and I also really love clinical stuff so um, I think that's where his strength mostly lies. Um, I think it made me grow fast because you learn a lot really fast when you take on, you know, all the books of the practice and figuring out patient disputes and things like that. So um, most first year dentists are associates. They're working under, you know, a dentist who's been in practice for a long time. Um, instead, I took a lot more responsibility very early. Is this what you always kind of wanted to do? Like you always saw yourself owning your own practice? Definitely. Yeah. So again, I started really young. Um, I worked not only just with my dad, I worked at like six different practices with probably up to 12 different dentists. I learned so much so fast, I think, from all those different experiences. And then, yeah, I've always known I've wanted to run my own place and work with my own patients and um, you know, work with my own team someday. So that day happened sooner than I expected. <laughs> yeah. The six different practices you worked at, were you there as a dental assistant or as a, an associate? As a, yeah, so as a dental assistant, and then I worked in a federal prison as a dentist. Okay, so when you were there, once you were a dental assistant, you kind of knew already, like, yeah, I'm going to be with my dad, right? Eventually? Eventually, yeah. I was oh. his exit plan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then what were some systems or some things that you kind of like uh, adopted from these other practices where you're like, I'm going to bring this to my practice 
or uh, eventually when I own it. And then what were some things where you were like, I, I can't wait to leave this place. Oh my gosh, they suck at this. That is an awesome, awesome question. So um, some things I adopted from, I worked at one practice that was primarily an implant and surgical practice. They had 14 operatories. Their dentists, their surgeons would place implants in like 20 minutes. Like the appointments were booked for an hour, but the doctor was only in there for 20 minutes. It was very fast paced, lots of surgery, lots of implant placement. What I loved about that practice is the pace. It was really fun, really awesome. Um, I loved their hours. They were really accommodating to a lot of different um, patient groups, but also their practice design is something I took into my practice. Every single room was set up the exact same. Um, You could do any procedure in any room, um, and you never had to think where something was because it's all the exact same. Mm -hmm. And that seems like such a basic concept, but that's the only practice I've worked at that was like that. And in order to do a practice design that way, you have to build everything from the ground up. So when we, we actually moved um, about a year ago from our old location and we expanded, we're now about twice the size as we once were. Um, and I did a ground up, you know, from the, the, the um, plumbing mm-hmm. <laughs> up, um, new design. And I took all of those elements into my new space. So the practice design from that place was something I took. Um, and then some things that I didn't want to take over was uh, certain management styles. So I've worked with bosses that would, you know, sit and have cameras in operatories and kind of watch their team. I've worked with practice, you know, owners who would walk around and if they catch their assistant on their phone or something, they would scold them and, you know, take money out of their, their paycheck or something like that. That's never been the type of person I've ever wanted to be. So um, I've kind of had to develop my own management style and technique and what that looks like is much more forgiving and kind. And I try to approach every um, experience with all of my team members from a level of love and understanding and, you know, we'll work through this type of thing instead of, Hey, you're on your phone, you know, I'm going to take $5 off your paycheck. <laughs> Do they really? Like for stuff like that, they oh, yeah. would actually really take $5 off their paycheck because they're on their phone. <laughs> the phones was a big thing. And that, that same boss, um, used to tell his hygienist that they would, if they wanted like a new product to recommend to their patients, that they would have to buy it to then recommend to their patients, which I just don't think is right. Um, I really value my hygienist's opinion. They're well-trained and they know what they, you know, what our patient base needs. So if there is a new thing on the market, I love their uh, their input in you know, buying that thing or trying that thing out with our patient base and seeing what what bites or what works with our patients. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a weird, weird place. That is weird. Yeah. To like do that. So the micromanaging sounds like it is what you really didn't like, right? Like right. Were, were people watching the cameras all the time? So I had a boss, yeah, who was older. I want to say he was like 70 ish, 70 something. He was no longer really practicing anymore, but he owned a very vibrant, very, well-established practice and he was there every day um, and he would just hang out in his office and watch every single operatory. He'd call down to us if there were more than two assistants in the room at any point in time and we're like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, he definitely watched the cameras a lot. Man. So, yeah, that, I think that in just any environment, right? Like, even if I was working like at Target, that would be pretty bad, right? Yeah, I would, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would want to, I would want to leave. When you mentioned a little bit before that the pace at the practices that you liked was fun and awesome. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Was it like fast paced or, or what do you mean? 
Yeah, so I think that there's a balance between having a fast-paced practice and having a practice that you value your patient's time and that they feel that you value their time. Um, and that was the type of balance I wanted to meet. And I find that I found that that practice really met that balance. Um, in order to be a successful dental practice, you have to really consider the chair time and how long your patient is sitting in the chair and how long each step of each procedure takes in order to be successful. I can only make money if I'm actively doing a procedure on a patient, right? So some patients want and need, and everybody deserves this, more TLC, more time and chatting about their family and their loved ones and things like that. So what that practice did really well was they kind of coupled, um, you know, assistants and hygienists would really generally get to know the patients really well. And so the doctor, um, but they, there was a really kind of loving and getting to know you aspect from all team members, but also the pace was just naturally very fast. So I don't think that the, the patients ever felt that they were rushed or you know, not well taken care of at that space. And I really liked that. Um, and I think that's something I try to incorporate into my practice. I really believe that every single patient's visit is the most important visit of the day. And I want them to feel that important. Um, but it can be hard because, you know, some, some visits are quick. Just I, I mean, a denture adjustment shouldn't take me an hour. Right? It yeah. should take me like three minutes but the patient's going to be there maybe 15 or 20 and interacting with team members and just getting that, that love and TLC, I guess. Yeah. You specifically, like speaking of you, how do you make the patients feel important? I think I specifically work to make patients feel important by getting to know them, getting to know their values and their, what they do for work, their family members. Um, our practice has a lot of really long-term patients and then really long-term families. Like I have some patients that I know four or five generations of their family, which is just really amazing. Mm -hmm. But in order to get to know that individual family member, knowing that the complexities of that family and kind of remembering that stuff, taking notes on those little things, um, I think makes them feel really loved and listened to. Um, I also do my best to listen really intently to my patients. And I think that that's something that you don't get in healthcare nowadays. Um, and that's something I constantly work to to better about our healthcare system. Yeah. Yeah. Listening is huge when it comes to uh, like that alone. You know what I mean? Like understanding where they're coming from, their frustrations, things like that. I appreciate that. That is really, really good. Okay. So let's dive into your business now a little bit uh, more in your practice. What were one of the first things like you, cause you kind of did an acquisition, right? almost like a takeover, right? You, you, you acquire the practice and we're going to dive into the, the meat and potatoes of that. But one of the things I want to know first is like, what were some of the things you immediately took out? You're like, we're not, we're not doing this or maybe we should do something differently, right? Whether it's systems or whether it's products or anything like that. So we had a lot of things. We changed so much in the first year that I was there. Um, it's hard to pick just one, but the first most immediate thing that happened um, was we were opening after being shut for four months or three months or whatever because of COVID. So I entered during a time that we were closed um, because of COVID shutdowns. And so it was my responsibility now as the boss suddenly to make our space safe, make my patients feel safe, make my team feel safe in a very confusing environment. So a lot of my first decisions of the practice were trying to make our space safer. So air filtration systems and shields and gowns and all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
Um, another thing that we changed is, is how we communicate as a team. I, I started implementing morning huddles, um, weekly meetings. So we started those weekly meetings for about an hour long just to discuss what can we do better? How can we make patient experiences better? How can we make our space feel safe during COVID? All those different conversations that we felt we needed to have, but we didn't have time in our schedule to have. I blocked off time for every single team member to have those conversations every week. Now we've cut those meetings down. We're still having weekly meetings, but I've cut them down to 20 or 30 minutes per mm. week. But it's a really important step to check base, touch base with every single person on the team. Um, morning huddles was really amazing uh, for my team. It was never something we had done before. And getting everyone on the same page first thing in the morning, looking at the schedule together first thing in the morning, um, you learn a lot about how everyone else views the schedule. So my front office team is thinking about you know, the different patients that they might need to collect from or who needs to um, update their insurance information or whatever it might be. My hygienists are thinking about um, patients that, you know, might need restorative work, that they need to update x-rays for their crown prep next week or whatever it might be. Um, and then the doctors are thinking about, okay, this patient comes in a wheelchair. We should probably put that patient in the first operatory so that they don't have to travel too far and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Just getting everyone on the same page is really cool to start opening that communication. Now, once that line of communication was open, and a month into me working this practice and working you know, through everything with everybody, I learned very quickly that one of our team members that we had had for about four years was never on the same page as any of the rest of us. Hmm. So ultimately, I you know, made the decision with my dad, Dr. Breedy, um, to remove that team member and move on without that team member. And the shift in our practice after that team member was out was like taking a weight off of the practice. It was amazing. And we just vibed right away. And everyone was like vibing, thriving. And it's been great ever since we've added people, ever since we've doubled our team size since that point in time. And I always intentionally add team members by doing like group interviews, basically. So I am a very... I don't know, maybe like socialist practice yeah. where everyone's kind of involved. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I like that group interview. Okay, so then and we'll, we'll go back into that a little bit. What were some things that you, so you, you decided to implement morning huddles, weekly meetings, right? That were about an hour long at the beginning. Then they kind of shortened up um, a little bit. You took out, or you didn't take out, but you quickly realized who's, who's in your tribe, right? Like who's, who's with you, who's not. Now, when it came to systems as far as like uh, software or anything like that, what were some things you replaced or took out or added? So we did a lot of system changes. Um, I think one of the biggest changes that I made um, was actually adding a digital scanning company. Um, we had been fully analog before. We had done GUI, you know, five-minute long impressions like every other office in my, in my area. Um, and I was trained on CAD CAM stuff but we're new practice, or I was a new owner of this practice. It's COVID time. Um, I couldn't afford to buy a CAD CAM system. And I knew that the doctor, the older doctor in my practice was never going to learn it and would not want to have anything to do with it um, unless I had like formal trainings involved. And I just didn't think he would be super on board. It's a steep learning curve, I feel like. But I really wanted that because you cut down chair time significantly. Cut down material waste. Improgram is so expensive. It's so expensive. <laughs> so each, each impression is like 
$7. And when you think about that and you're trying to crunch these numbers for the first time as a new owner, we take a lot of crown impressions. And me as a new doctor, I did a few retakes, you know, every month or so. And that adds up real fast. So I added a digital scanning company and I, I feel like that changed our practice for the better. Yeah. What was the digital scanning company that you decided to go with? So we decided to go with Dandy. Um, Dandy's a digital lab, but also they give you a scanner for free. Um, I saw an ad on Facebook and I honestly thought it was too good to be true. So I called them, was pretty suspicious of the whole thing. And I talked to their salespeople and basically what they said was um, you do a certain number or certain amount of production with them per month and you get to keep this digital scanner. So there's no contract. So that was huge for me. I'm a new doc, a new owner. And I knew that the other doctor in our practice might not be fully on board, but there's no contract. So if I sign up for this and I, you know, start meeting their goals, great. If I sign up for this and we just don't like the scanner, we don't like scanning and the system's not working with my team, great. I can send it back. So, or if I didn't like their crowns or dentures or whatever was coming back, I, again, I could just send it back. Um, we've been working with them for geez, over a year, plus a year and a half for now. I've not for one day, been unhappy with their work. We've added revenue streams. So I'm uh, Invisalign certified in my practice. Um, I'm also Botox certified, but um, my Invisalign certification, I wasn't really using because I didn't have the programs installed. I didn't have any of the stuff that I thought I needed to do Invisalign. I just had kind of strayed away from it a little bit early in my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I added Dandy, I was doing crowns, I was doing dentures, I was doing partials with them. Um, I was just throwing everything at the scanner because I love scanning and it's easy for me. Um, the other doctor in my practice was mostly doing partials and crowns. And then we both started doing clear liners because it's so easy. You take eight pictures, you take a pano to make sure it's up to date, um, and then you scan the patient and they send you back this 3D rendering um, of our patients and I send them out to get approved by my patient. And patients have loved it. I've added probably four or five clear liner cases per month, which is huge money if you're charging like anywhere between three and six grand for a case. It's fun. It's easy. Patients are excited to come and see their teeth shifting and their smile changing. So um, it's just been really, really fun. Yeah. How, how did that compare to before? Like where, what were you, I guess, what was the amount you were doing before, I guess, using Dandy and then compared to now? Like, was it anything? So the amount of work or the amount of clear liners? Both. Like clear liners, I was mainly kind of referring to, but work in general. Like what was the quality of your lab, of, yeah, your lab work before Dandy and how, how does it compare to the quality that you're getting right now? Yeah, so quality of Dandy versus quality of like our local labs is pretty comparable, um, except for the fact that our local labs were taking three weeks to turn over and get us back a crown. They were taking like two and a half to three weeks to get us dentures back. Dandy gives us crowns back in like six or seven days. So turnaround time has decreased significantly working with Andy. Um, also, the cost of each crown has decreased significantly working with Andy. So that's been amazing. Um, now regarding clear liners, I really had straight away from it. I found Invisalign's portal to be confusing. Um, I found it frustrating. I didn't find that I had the time to go through all the questionnaires and work through my cases on Invisalign. And maybe I'm just a lady dentist. I don't know, but I was really struggling and so once Dandy had rolled out their clear liners, it was just a no-brainer. And I started offering it to patients. People started biting patients. Love that we offer that. Um, so it really went from like zero to 
now I think I have 50 cases on ourselves, active cases going currently. Um, <laughs> like every single one of my team members got clear liners. They were all excited. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody's involved. That's cool. I like that. So then other than that, your hesitations before going with like some type of, I guess like dandy, for example, right? Compared to other things before, what were the hesitations? So our hesitation before was the cost. Buying a scanner just wasn't in our budget. We were working on doing a build out, building on a new dental office is really expensive, time consuming. There's a lot of equipment that we were buying just for that build out. So I knew I just did not have the budget to be able to buy a scanner as well. It was wishful thinking at best. It just wasn't an option for us. So the fact that Dandy offered that free scanner to us and you just keep doing lab work with them um, was was so obvious to me. So we went for that. Um, The other big hesitation was we had, uh, the other doctor in practice had made a choice like 10 years ago to buy um, a laser, a water-laced laser. Mm. And we had done hard and soft tissue laser stuff. And we still do. We still use it all the time. But we've been paying that off for like 10 years. We finally just finished our last payment <laughs> last month. Um, and that's huge, right? So yeah. I don't know what 10 years from now I'm going to want as a scanner. But I know that I have this working scanner. It's been fantastic. I have Creos three-shape scanner um, with Dandy. But they keep upgrading the system. They control everything. They make sure that you're up to date and that everything's working smooth. Um, and there's still just no contract. So um, it's just been amazing. How much do you pay for like using them, oh, Dandy? So nothing, which is why it's crazy and like way too good <laughs> to be true. They expect that you do about a thousand dollars of lab work with them per month. And we were easily doing four or five thousand dollars of lab work in general prior to using Dandy. So it it was an easy fit. I always make our numbers. Um, and interestingly, we were doing about four or five thousand dollars of lab work in analog lab work prior to Dandy. Now our lab bill overall is cut down to like two or three thousand dollars total per month. Mm. So we're doing the same amount of work, if not more. It's just that I'm paying less because per item is significantly less. So that's been really cool for us too. All right, guys, so you saw Ashley's hesitations and what made her eventually try Dandy, the many benefits she's getting for using the free trio scanner that Dandy provides. I mean, reduced chair side time with patients. She's improving patient experience and so much more. And how the quality of her lab work was good before Dandy, but now the quality she gets today with Dandy is impeccable. Uh, Actually, on average, practices that use Dandy see $30,000 saved up front, 76% faster delivery, an 89% reduction in remakes. You can find out more about Dandy by going to meetdandy.com forward slash TDM. And if you decide to try Dandy out and use that link, then you will get a free three-shape trio scanner. That's already saving you over $20,000 and you'll get $250 in lab credit. So go to meetdandy.com forward slash TDM. It's going to be the first link in the show notes below. Click it and find out more. All right, let's get back to the episode. Okay, so let's rewind a little bit. How did you use to communicate as a team? Because you were talking about how you implemented morning huddles and then you decided to do the week, like hour-long weekly, right? Weekly meetings, mm-hmm. which I kind of want to know, like, I don't know, sometimes what are you talking like, about? Yeah, like, oh, I'm like, oh, I got to push this hour even longer. What, what's your favorite color, everybody? You know what I mean? Like for anything. So how was the communication different before? Communication was really limited before, like the assistants would talk to the doctors. Hygienists never really talked to the assistants. They kind of lived in their own little realm. 
and there just wasn't too much communication with the front office team. They were answering phones, they were checking patients in, and then we would take them to the back and there would be no, I mean, literally how we would tell our front office what we did for the day, we would hand them a piece of paper and write number 13 crown insert and hand it to them. Like what? So (laughs) communications improved drastically. Um, and I've really opened up our, our books and I've gone deep diving with my team of, you know, why we have certain goals that we're trying to meet and what those goals mean and what that looks like when we meet those goals in reflection to salaries and bonuses and things like that. Um, so I think I've opened a lot of doors by having a lot of more, more communication. Now, what do we talk about during our, our yeah. meetings? A lot. There's a lot of stuff that comes up and it's so interesting because it's stuff that you as a dentist just miss. So for example, last week, um, we had a long discussion about um, an error that happened in our sterilization where some of somebody had put dirty instruments on top of just cleaned instruments. It's going to happen at every office. Somebody caught it immediately. And we always double check our instruments um, before we put them away. Anyways, that's how it got caught. But the fact that that could even happen at all, we create an entire new system to make sure that that never happens again. And mistakes are going to happen, right? But going back and creating these systems that just never really existed is huge. Um, We have not had a consensus across the hygiene department about what patients or which types of periodontal patients need to be referred out versus who we think we can SRP or treat. Now, me and the other dentists in our practice both go in there and make diagnoses and recommendations and stuff, um, but clarifying that communica- communication across the board um, has made it so much easier for my team to have those conversations with the patients because they kind of know, okay, if I see you know five or six millimeter pocket, we have to try that SRP, and then we're going to send you to a periodontist for continued care. Um, we're all on the same page now, so that's been huge. Yeah, that's good. I like so then to me, I still see it kind of like as an acquisition, right? So they're like, oh my gosh, the doctor was super chill before, you know what I mean? Like never told yep. us to do anything. And then here comes Ashley, and she's like, we got to make more sales. We got obviously you didn't do it like that, right? But maybe some people could interpret it like that, like. All she cares about money now. Oh my gosh. Right. Like, did that happen or no? No. So I think that's actually such an interesting perspective because I'm the opposite of that. So first of all, they all, I worked with a bunch of these team members since I was 13. We have, most of our team has been with us for 20 plus years. The new team members that we added, I've added, but I've added them with the blessing of the rest of our team. (laughs) Um, And it's funny because when we talk about production and financing and money and stuff like that, it's just never a conversation that we opened up with anybody. Um, the other doctor in my practice, I told you, he loves clinical stuff. If he could have it his way, everybody would have everything for free. Every patient <laughs> would have free everything. And so I'm kind of coming into a practice where that was the, the vibe and the motto. And I just changed it to, guys, we should be charging for what we're doing. Um, and it's funny because my treatment planning style is very similar to the other doctor. I don't recommend work that doesn't imminently need to be done. If you chip off some porcelain on your crown, I'm not really telling you to get a new crown because it's hermetically sealed. That tooth is still healthy. It's just a little, you know, porcelain chipped on a second molar. Who cares? I can polish that. You're fine. So I don't look at it like that. I'm not trying to actively push, you know, certain treatments or things that patients don't need. 
Um, instead, I'm trying to clarify that this is what you do need and this is how much it costs to get that thing. How can we help you cover that and pay for that and manage that? Um, and then also just patient follow-up. So we have had, prior to me joining practice, we had had a lot of patients who it was very much their responsibility to remember to call us to come in, mm-hmm. which is difficult and people forget and then they don't go for like three years. And that's not a great motto. That's not a great way to be. So just getting patients back into a more regular schedule, we're now reminding them we have automatic systems and we have treatment plans that are in our computers. I digitized us. That was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. um, and so those little treatment plans that sit there um, flag my front office team to say, hey, that person, we recommended a filling for them like six months ago. We should check in and see if that patient um, would like to come in to receive that care. That's good. That's really, really good. So by any chance, when you said digitize, like, did you go with a specific practice management software? Did you change that out? Yeah. So I didn't change it. We used Dentrix, but we were paper chart based until two years ago, which was (laughs) alarming. We had digital x-rays, thank God, but we were hand recording everything. And again, that's, that's back to the other doctor in my practice, just isn't super confident on computers. Mm -hmm. Um, This week alone, um, as of, the 1st of 2022, January 1st, 2022, Massachusetts, my state is requiring all prescriptions be sent electronically, hmm. which is something I'm super comfortable doing. But the older doctor in my practice, he's 66 now, is just not. So I made him a whole how-to book on how to send your e-prescriptions because he's just not good at that. It's not his strength. And that's fine. And that works you know, for us. And I'll make it happen for that patient either way. But um, yeah, we were fully paper. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So then let me ask you the team, when you decided to like, you know, go with Dandy, then you decided to go digital completely and all these other things, were they all like, let's do this. Let's make it happen. Or were people like, I don't know how to make this work. Like why fix something that's not even broken? How was it? Yeah. So I can't express enough how amazing and incredible my team is. Um, my team my vision and they see where I want us to be and they have just embraced it and ran with it and they just make it happen every second of every day it's incredible it is inspiring to me they inspire me every day um, and they step up in ways I never expect them to step up so when I was talking about you know thinking about doing dandy I brought it to the team meeting and I said hey guys I'm thinking about doing this thing everybody was so excited because they're like wow you know we're gonna have a scanner all these other offices have scanners too and we're going to be one of those cool offices and stuff. Um, and then we had our training and learned how to use it. And it was one of my team members who said, we should have scanning races and see who can scan the most accurately and the fastest. And we're all having scanning races. Dr. Brady actually won. The older dentist in my practice won, which bothered everybody because he was the most resistant to the scanner, but he won the race. You know, yeah. it's great with his hands, right? Yeah. But, um, no, they just embraced change and they you can just see it in their eyes. They want us to be incredible. They want us to grow. They know that we just love our patients and want the best for our patients. And scanning is more accurate. It's quickly turned around um, and we get beautiful products back for our patients. So it, again, was just part of the vision and they all ran with it. That's super cool. Okay, so then let's kind of talk a little bit about how did you find out that one team member was not on the same page? What were What was happening? I... I mean, firing is tough. Like, that's just tough in general, right? Even if you're like, oh my God, they're so negative. You think like, maybe I can change them. 
or maybe we can learn to live with it a little bit, you know, but how did, how did that all work out? Yeah. So that tends to be my mentality. I'm like, can we move on? Can we fix it? Can we change it? Um, and interestingly, I had worked with that team member. She was one of our hygienists um, for a while and I had worked you know, previously with her as an assistant. I worked a few times here and there um, again as an assistant and it just became one of those constant battles. You know, she, you could tell that she wasn't signed up for this new vision of this new practice that we were building. I was thinking a ton of time, money, and effort into building a gorgeous new place. And every day was just a struggle. Um, you know, my my assistants, they push through a lot of instruments through sterilization. They help hygiene. Hygiene should be helping them as well. And one of my hygienists was always moving stuff through, helping them. This hygienist never was. She would move her instruments, that's it. She'd back her stuff and that's it. She'd leave for the day and not help. Or, you know, during during meetings about a COVID discussion, she was always very aggressive. We need this, that, the other thing, hundreds of different ideas and tons of expense, but with no great research to support those things. And that's not really what I stand for. I always want a reason behind why we're doing this, that, and the other thing. And I was not cheap with COVID. We bought, you know, thousands of dollars of air filtration systems mm-hmm. for our office. Um, we revamped a ton of stuff. Um, but, you know, conversations like that, we were just never really on the same page. Um, and then the feedback I was getting from other team members echoed that. Um, I have, I touch base with individual team members too, not just these big group team meetings. I want to make sure that every single person in our team feels comfortable talking to me about their concerns. Um, and in those conversations, consistently it was coming up, this same team member was a struggle point for everybody. And once you start seeing that and kind of opening your eyes to that, I didn't want to keep on a team member who didn't fit and then lose team members who were incredible. So that was my decision that we can't keep this person on if they're going to make other team members who are fantastic leave. That's not my goal. And I think that would have happened if I kept her too long. Did she leave? Like, was she understanding? Was she like, okay, yeah, I understand. She's very angry. <laughs> very angry. And it was for the July. So I was like, Ooh. oh, my God. <laughs> it was like, a bad timing all around. Yeah. I love her as a person. You know, I wish her well. Um, it just wasn't the best fit. And that happens sometimes. And that's okay. Both of you guys let her go? Like, both of you guys got in the room together and said, it's not working out? Or get so angry. On vacation. <laughs> <laughs> How convenient, Ashley. I I let the other doctor in my practice handle that one. He's he's fired before, so, you know. But it's interesting because I am very direct. That's just my personality type. I don't let things fester. I don't let feelings, like, go, you know, awry. The other doctor in my practice is very quiet, very reserved. Um, He's loud and boisterous as a personality, but when it comes to, like, feelings and difficult situations, he runs. So I was concerned about that conversation and I, I actually have no idea how it went personally um, because I let him handle that, but I know she was very upset. I think it felt like a surprise to her, um, which is also interesting because that shows that there wasn't much self-reflection going on. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. But I think she was a little bit surprised and instead of taking it as a positive, you know, we're trying to grow and you just don't fit type of thing, she was very, very angry and very upset. So. Huh. I never, never thought about that. Like if they're surprised, that's probably a, a bad thing on, on them. You mean, or a little bit. I mean, I, I think that if you get to the point where you're being fired um, or being let go, that 
there's been many conversations prior to that point, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's never a sudden thing. It's a, Hey, we've had X amount of conversations with you. You've had some written warnings in the past. Um, and these things haven't changed. Um, and again, I check base, I touch base with everybody all the time. So I was very clear at many points in time about what we expected and that she wasn't really on the same page. Um, and so it's always interesting that somehow it's still a surprise because to me it was very much up and coming and it just kind of all came to a front happened to be on vacation when it all came to a front. I was yeah. gonna wait till the next week and I was gonna have the conversation, but I don't know what happened. It just wasn't good. <laughs> so uh, Dr. Brittany made the call. I would have done the exact same thing. I would have been like, hello guys, I'm gonna take a two week. So at any moment from the moment I leave to now, y'all can uh carry everything else. So no, I completely understand. Okay, so then you also well before we talk about that really quick, I wanted to ask how many employees do you have in total? Oh, let me count them. I should know that off the top of my head. I have two doctors, two hygienists, two assistants, and I had and have three uh, front office team members. One of them is a financial coordinator who actually works remotely with us. And the other two um, work front office, one's check-in, one's check-out, but our check-out um, team members been sick for a little bit. So I'm hoping she feels better. Um, mm-hmm. So right now we have, what was that, eight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like three, six, nine, almost like eight or nine. Yeah. Okay. So then, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> eight and a half. But how many new patients are you getting monthly right now? Uh, right now, we're probably getting 30 new patients a month. Our goal number would be like 35 to 40. Prior to me joining the practice, we were getting maybe two new patients a month. We oh, wow. were just a word of mouth practice. We didn't ever advertise, and we still don't advertise. We don't need to. These patients are coming from mostly word of mouth. But also, I redid our website, so now we're actually Google optimized. Um, and so we're coming up on Google way more frequently than we had before. But yeah, it, it's been pretty pretty steady at about thirty five new patients a month. That's pretty good. Okay, so you're you redid your website, and at the same time, I believe you said you moved locations too, right? Yeah. What was the purpose of that? Why? So our old location had four operatories. Two of them were for hygiene, and two of them were for the doctor. Um, and so we had worked in that space with two doctors and two hygienists together, all four of us, for um, probably about nine months. And it was just really tight. It was snug. <laughs> Everybody just had their one room. So if you were running late, you couldn't seat your next patient, right? So it really limited our schedule and our ability to stagger patients and, um, you know, allow for room turnover, basically. Mm-hmm. And so um, also our old space was very limited. It had very limited parking wheelchair accessibility was poor and we have a somewhat older population base so um, we have a good amount of patients who need mobility aids to get to us and that just wasn't sustainable for a patient base um we had no windows <laughs> i always complained about that our staff room was weird and in the back like i don't know um and so <laughs> we started looking because a realtor said hey this is covid and um prices of everything is just tanking right now mm-hmm. this is the time to look so in our town, there was nothing for sale. I really wanted to buy a space, but that just wasn't realistic. And we found this, I'm, I'm telling you, I walked into this place and I knew immediately that this was going to be our future office. And I can't even express how I knew that, but um, it had gorgeous front-facing windows in what would have been five of our operatories. They had two skylights in this place, huge skylights. So when I'm like, you know, dreaming of this place, this is my dream place. And I sat down with my dad and, you know, talked it through and can you do it financially and how does that look? Um, and he's like, I want to leave you with your dream place. 
And so that was the deal. And we built it out. We did it. Um, and now we have skylights in our staff room in the private office. And we have gorgeous, you know, huge windows in five out of our eight operatories. And it really just is the dream come true. So that's what we, why we moved. We needed the space. Um, we needed parking. It's really wheelchair accessible now. ADA compliant fully. Um, and then we just needed, needed an upgrade. It had been too long. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. cool. Oh, awesome. So how many opportunities is this? So we have eight. We're currently using about seven of them. Our eighth one, um, we just don't need it yet. Um, but it's fully built out. It's ready to go for when we do need it. Um, but the fact that we're already up to using seven really consistently is just blows my mind. So I'm yeah. sure we get the eighth soon. <laughs> you started with this new practice or this new location when? About a year ago, a year and a month ago. Oh man, how much, if you don't mind me asking, did you take a loan out for this one? My mom's a financial advisor. Um, uh-huh. She's actually in like Barron's and Forbes and stuff. So she's good at her job. Jeez, you got it, man. Yeah. <laughs> she's been planning for this for a long time. So we did oh, not really? um, take out a loan, but we did ask mom for some help. Um, <laughs> her business is thriving a little better than ours was at the point in time. And so she helped us out a lot. Um, we did take out a small loan for some of the equipment and stuff, but the whole build out start to finish with equipment was like $800,000. It was big expensive to do, but it's going to work for the next 35 years of my career. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that's definitely, it's, it's worth, especially if you didn't have to take out a loan. Like that's yeah. super, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like a, a huge, huge An loan. internal loan. I got to pay mom back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get you. But like, that that's really good. So then right now, if you don't mind me asking, like what's production and collection looking like? Maybe like if you can, if you want to give me an exact number or anything like that, or a good range, but like monthly, how's business going since, uh, since you moved? Yeah. So since COVID, like comparing our time to when I started, we're, we've tripled revenue, we've tripled production. Our collections is um, trending at like 96% right now. Um, and prior to that, everything you know, claims and stuff took forever during COVID. We were really struggling to collect because mm-hmm. insurance companies were understaffed and that was just a big problem. Um, right now, I have it set so that depending on how many providers are in um, you know, the office each month or at different points in the month, I have different goals for each month. So we've hit our goals um, every single month at somewhere between like $120,000 uh, per month to like $160,000 a month. Actually, we've been exceeding the past few months. Um, yeah. and my team knows those numbers and they, they look at those numbers every day. We talk about all those numbers like once a week. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we've been hitting. So our total projected revenue would be, I think, $1.3 million for the year um, is our goal for the year. That's the, and that's your goal. Like, that's the goal you had set already. So that's what we're trending towards. I think my goal was like 1.1. Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be higher. I was like, geez, Ashley, it's never enough for you. My God. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. That's good. What systems would you say you kind of like give thanks to because of like that type of projection, that triple growth? Like what systems are unique in your practice where you're like, thanks to this, you know? Yeah, so we signed up with a practice growth kind of system. Um, we signed up with Spears. Spears an education system. Primarily, they, they have CEs, uh, continuing education credits for dentists, hygienists, assistants. Um, and they have patient-based modules and videos that the patients can learn stuff from too. Um, but they have a practice solutions team that kind of runs your analytics all the time. 
So I signed up with them. I did a year with them um, to learn how to look at my numbers correctly, Mm -hmm. because that was just not something I had anybody to help me learn. Um, Again, I told you my mom's a financial advisor. So she had been kind of running finances for my dad when he was the practice owner, which just also isn't sustainable, right? She's also 60 something, 65. Um, And so I didn't want her having to do that when she's 90 something. (laughs) So I signed up with them and they were really helpful at helping track everything, everything under the sun. I can look up um, on my portal with them. I can look up production, projected revenue, um, you know, reappointment efficiency, how many patients from today look to their next visit, um, how many new patients do we have per day, per month, per year, whatever. Um, How many patients are at risk for falling off the kind of radar and losing touch with us? What were like some doing? What were some of the major analytics where you like didn't understand you understand now and you're like, oh snap. If this is going low or moving or something, this problem, you know? Great question. So production versus collections was such a basic concept that I did not understand at first. Uh-huh. Um, I had thought, okay, you do a crown and your crown fee is, you know, 1750. So you get 1750. No. I did not understand about insurance and write-offs and that if the insurance is that person's in network and the insurance only covers 1200 and you're getting 1200 and you have to write off this other amount. And it's like that blew my mind. Um, and then obviously collections and efficiency with collections. And um, we had a lot of old accounts, patients, families that had balances on their accounts for like years. And we just weren't clearly billing or they just weren't paying and didn't really care. I told you, the other doctor in practice would do dentistry for free. He didn't really care. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, oh my God, it blew my mind. You know, our collections percentage, we were only collecting like 65% of what we were producing, which is just unacceptable. That means that we were only getting back, you know, 65% of that ground, whatever it was. So changing that, trying to get us to 100%, we should be collecting 100% of what we do. There's always going to be write-offs if I have a crown that doesn't fit the way I like. I am type A. If it's not perfect, forget it. I'm remaking it. Mm. Um, and the other doctor in practice was like that too. You're always going to have that flux of, you know, things that you write off and things that you don't charge for or whatever it might be. I don't, I don't charge for denture adjustments. I think that's crazy. Um, I think dentures should be comfortable and patients should get them adjusted whenever they need. Um, so things like that, that I've chosen to do for our practice, but um I just didn't understand the basics of all that insurance and all that stuff. How did you scale it from 65 and up then? Like 65%, how, what, what did you start doing where you're like, oh my gosh, move it? Oh, it was not me. It was, um, we had added other front office team members um, because we had one person and she is absolutely incredible. Um, I call her my little chihuahua because she's like <laughs> fights for everything for us. and. Yeah. Um, she's incredible, but she was just one person. And now there's two doctors, two hygienists, a lot of stuff to remember and to collect and to follow up on. And there's always insurance calls and this stuff takes a long time. Um, so what changed was we hired two other people. Those two other people handle phones. They handle kind of day-to-day stuff. And then she is just finance. She's literally a full finance team, basically. Um, and now she's on insurance, on collection. She has you know, if a claim hasn't gotten approved or whatever, been on hold for X amount of days, she's calling them, following up. So all of got way better because she's now just devoting her time to collection, to insurance and to, um, you know, communicating with our 
patients about, hey, guys, this is what your upcoming visit um, looks like. This is how much it's going to cost. And this is estimated insurance. This is estimated what you should pay for that visit or whatever. Um, so she's been working her tail off the past mm-hmm. year to change that number and correct a lot of those old accounts. Man, it's crazy when you hyper-focus, right? Like on one thing and you're just like, then it, it just skyrockets. And it's something you can't do on your own. You really do have yeah. to like start delegating that, huh? Right, right. Lesson. I can't do it. I don't have time. Forget it. Yeah, know, she's yeah. incredible. Okay. So one of the last questions I want to ask you, Ashley, is um, throughout this time, I guess throughout the time you decided, maybe a little bit before you were going to, you know what I mean, like take over the practice to now, I know the time you decided or did you decide to do it during COVID or like right when it was happening or it was already set to do that before? So I always joke that I didn't really have a choice in the matter. <laughs> I had actually had a full, a few full-time job offers. I had um, other doctors I had worked with who had loved how I was as an assistant and saw my vision for my practice and had actually offered me um, their practice to take over their practice and run with it and change it. Um, I had three of those offers sitting on my lap when I chose to take over my dad's practice and change his practice for the better. Um, so the decision I always joke wasn't really mine. <laughs> I yeah. his exit plan and I respect that and I honor that and I love that. Um, but yeah, so the, the kind of shift happened exactly during COVID right when I was a new grad. Um, I took over, I started working as again, the big boss and yeah. ran from it. Okay. Ran with it from there. Okay. So from that moment, that moment till right now today, What's been some of the biggest like struggles or fails or pitfalls that you've encountered? I think the biggest things that I struggle with is always going to go back to team management. I think that's something that every single dentist struggles with. All of us are really well trained on you know procedures. We're really well trained on how to code correctly for billing stuff or whatever. Um, but I'm always going to struggle with personnel discussions. You know, this person's struggling in a personal life with this, and how do we combat that? You know, I just told you one of my front office team members has been sick for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. What do I do? How do I pay that person? Make sure that they're comfortable. Do I have to pay? Should I pay? Because I love them. You know, those types of struggles. How do I deal with this person? You know, my team is fighting with this one today. And different struggles like that are always going to be difficult. I think what I love about it, they are my family. They would do anything for any single one of them. It's just worth it in the end for me, I guess. But that's my biggest struggle point, I think. Yeah. It's almost like, not burdens, but like it, well, I'm just gonna, like it's almost like extra burdens, but like that you never really saw you were going to encounter, right? Like almost like when you have a kid, right? Like you have a kid yeah. or a dog or something. You're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know it, it, an accident happened, something, right? And then you, you'd, that's a good point you made. Like you never think like they're sick. What if you're struggling? What if you're barely breaking yeah. even? And then you're like, should we fire them? But that's not right. You know, but is it? Right, yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, you start thinking all these things and it's so tough that we don't think about that, you know? Right. And we're just not trained on how to do it and what to do. And um, I always end up erring on the side of overpaying them and trying to make them comfortable. And I'm like, whatever, I'll take it out of my salary. Like, I need you to be safe and healthy and not stressed about this because because you're sick, you know? Yeah, 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 that's true. All right. So then lastly, what's the vision of the practice from this point on? Yeah, so our vision of the practice is going to shift depending on when and if Dr. Bree is thinking about retiring. So um, the other doctor in my practice, I told you, has been in practice for about 40 years. 
Um, he told me he's planning on retiring in the next three years. So if and when that happens, everything's going to shift again, right? So I might add an associate. I might add two associates, depending on what our patient base needs. Um, and then getting used, getting the patient base used to new people is going to be interesting because they've had the same dentist and the same dentist family mm-hmm. <laughs> for like 40 years. Um, so I think that the changes that we're going to see in the next five or 10 years is going to be adding more personnel. I have dreams of opening more locations someday, you know, if I get the patient base for it. I have, you know, my TikTok. I'm growing a TikTok account. That's been fun. Um, I have dreams of doing more lecture-based stuff. I love teaching. Um, I think I'd want to lecture to dentists and patient bases um, around the country. I think that'd be really cool. I don't know. I've got a lot of big dreams. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. That's going to be awesome. Ashley, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. But before we say goodbye, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah, so um, you can find me at my website, I guess bcdentalmedium.com. You can find me on TikTok at Dr. Dr. Chaptak, C-I-A-P-C-I-A-K. If you just write the at sign and write B-R-C, I usually come up. Um, you can find me, if you go on my website again, you can email me if you have any questions or thoughts. I'd love to talk. That's awesome. How many followers do you have on TikTok right now? I think I'm at 64,000 now. <laughs> Dude, you're doing good, man. Okay. We've been having fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here telling you like, oh, I haven't decided yet. You're over here at 64,000. Man, good stuff. Fun. I know, I know. That's good. So guys, that's all going to be in the show notes below in case you want to check it out, check out our TikTok or just reach out to her for any questions, advice, things like that. And Ashley, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure and we'll hear from you soon. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that episode. And Ashley, thank you so much for allowing us to be nosy in your life. We truly appreciate it. Guys, make sure to follow her TikTok. Make sure to go in the show notes below. Click on the links. Reach out to her, especially if you have any questions or concerns, especially if you have any questions about Dandy. Remember, as the dental marketer listener, this episode is brought to you by Dandy. So remember, it's a full service, fully digital dental lab based in the U.S., Uh, But you get so much more with Dandy. You get everything you need to take your practice digital, a top-of-the-line intraoral scanner, one-on-one training. You get continuing education credits with them. You get unparalleled supports, uh, access to the Dandy portal. And since you're a listener of this podcast, they're giving you a $250 lab credit. So you get everything you need to take your practice digital. As you heard in this episode, I mean, Ashley loves Dandy and you heard how it's helping her practice. It saved her a ton of money, especially with that impression material. So you can find out more about Dandy by going to meetdandy.com forward slash TDM. That's meetdandy.com forward slash TDM. And remember, if you decide to try Dandy out and use that link, you will get a free three-shaped trio scanner. Guys, that's amazing. And you'll get $250 in lab credit. So go to meetdandy.com forward slash TDM. It's going to be the first link in the show notes below. Alrighty, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. And as always, thank you so much for always supporting the podcast. It truly means a lot to me. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye.